Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Thankful for God's word tonight. And uh, I was going through this uh, book the other day, and uh, we've, we've actually covered quite a few sections out of it over the last couple years. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the problems is if you, uh, I know a lot of preachers will start at the beginning of a book and they'll work their way all the way through it. And uh, uh, I think I just have too much, uh, I don't know what you even call it, but I, I get too, um, I don't know if it's ADD is the right word or something. I don't think that's the right one. I just want to skip to something different. Uh, but, you know, one of the things is when you're uh, going through that, if the theme of the book is kind of negative, then the problem is you almost get into a, 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 dump, a slump or something like that. So uh, I like to go through this book, but sometimes you can only talk about vanity so much and then it starts to bring you down. But uh, uh, chapter three at the beginning of the chapter kind of switches gears uh, from what uh, is being talked about and kind of the style of chapters one and two. Uh, and as you know, as we've said before, Ecclesiastes written by King Solomon, that's uh, David's son, Solomon. Uh, he was the one uh, that had everything. He had wealth. Uh, he had more wisdom than anyone else. Uh, he was blessed with a long time of peace. Uh, so he had everything. But as you, like I said, you go through this book, uh, and this is late in his life where he wrote it, uh, and the word vanity appears 37 times, and it's the key word of the uh, entire book of Ecclesiastes, and vanity means empty, temporary, unsatisfying, and I'll tell you what, when you uh, look at some of the things that he has tackled, uh, you see people trying, I've said this many times, when I Really, one of the things I see when I look through the book, especially in the vanity parts, uh, is I see people trying to prove Solomon wrong. They try to prove him wrong, like I'm going to live my whole life and I'm going to find satisfaction in work, you know, in, in this or in that, when Solomon already tried it. In fact, he had more access, he had more time, he had more ability to do any of these things, more than we ever could, even if we dedicated our whole life to it. And he came back and said it was vanity. Uh, and at the very end of the book, you know, uh, that's where he talks about what's not vanity. So uh, again, it's one of the things when you look at a piece of it, uh, you have to kind of take it into context because uh, again, if you look at it by yourself, you can, man, you could really look at this life and say, well, I mean, it's all, it's all worthless, right? It's, it's vanity. What, what are we even doing here? And that's what a lot, unfortunately, the darker side of what a lot of people in this world, when they can't find satisfaction in things, they turn to, well, why live anymore? And that's the sad part. But uh, like I said, chapter three is a little different. Uh, we're going to start in verse one. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time 
time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh and that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no, uh, no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, for, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor, it is the gift of God. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that's in your word and Lord we ask that you'd help us to understand it Lord help me to preach uh, plainly that we can all understand this but Lord also touch our hearts teach us tonight fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit Lord help us to apply your word to our life not just put it in our head as knowledge Lord we we're asking all these things of you and you're more than capable of it and we thank you for it in Jesus name we pray and amen so at the beginning uh, he's got Solomon's, like I said, he switches gears from talking about everything under the sun is vanity and vanity of vanities over and over again. He switches to this kind of a poem here at the beginning of chapter three, and he talks about life and he talks about the seasons of life. So you see that I'm not going to go through all of them. It takes quite a while to, you know, even for me to read through them. But notice he's uh, giving a lot of opposites when it comes uh, uh, through these different seasons and times of life. And the very first one, he says, a time to uh, be born and a time to die. So he's even starting off with the beginning and the end of life and then gives other examples, the uh, time to plant, a time to harvest the plant, a time to break down and build up, get and lose, a time to love and hate and war and peace and all, all of these different things that he's talking about back and forth, uh, all of these seasons. And, and, and uh, you know, people have looked at this and they've thought different things. What, what does this mean? And they're, you know, they'll maybe look at it at a good angle and say, well, you know, the, there's blessings that these times happen in our lives. And then you can look at it in the bad angle and say, well, uh, you know, yes, there it, it's a rejoicing for birth. Earth, but then you know death is around the corner you know uh, and that's what we see with people either way but he breaks it up at the end with verse 9 with a question what profit had he what profit hath he that worketh and that wherein he laboreth so he's breaking the poem with a question what profit comes from labor what, where does it come from? And, you know, in, in different ways we think about in these different seasons of life, uh, there is labor. In, and throughout these things, we have to work. We have to provide for ourselves. Uh, but then he's asking the question for the one that works hard their whole life, do they even get to enjoy it? And you've probably seen people like this, right? You've seen people that have, have poured their entire life into a career or a business or something like that, uh, never took a break, didn't really take vacations or things like that. And, and, you know, there's a couple things that could happen. Number one, they could pass it down to the next generation and they, uh, you know, just squander it. You know, they just blow all the money or they fight over it or even worse, they, uh, they do the same thing. They pour their entire life into the, the business 
business or something like that. And, and, and Solomon, again, is looking back at someone who has been successful in his labors. You know, if you think about his building projects and the temple and all these different things, he would have been a successful builder. He would have uh, and built a palace for himself and other things. He, he was successful as a king and different things with a lot of these measures. But he's stepping back and he's saying, hey, what, what have I profited from all of this? And his problem in this is, what have I profited when I did all of these things for myself and I didn't do things for God? I, I tried to find satisfaction. He tried to find it in love and work and, and all sorts of different things. And he, that's why I keep saying it's all vanity. It's empty. It's unsatisfying. It's temporary. And he's, now he's getting to this question. But again, like I said, some people would take this at one angle. They'd say, well, uh, I guess if there, you know, there's no real profit from labor, I might as well not labor, right? Might as well be lazy. And, and people do that, right? They, they decide they, uh, uh, instead of working, I'm just not going to work. But in the Bible, I will say one thing. I've never found a spot where the Bible talks about laziness is a good thing. I can't find it. And when it talks about slothfulness and laziness, it's never in a good light. So that's not what we're, we're to learn from this. Well, we might as well just not work or do anything. But I think he's reminding us once again that work cannot be the place where you find your satisfaction in life. Now, that doesn't mean you don't work because we have to provide for ourselves. You know, if you're a, a husband, a father, you got to provide for your family. You know, uh, mothers have to labor and provide and do things for the home and, and all of these sorts of things. We can't, uh, uh, you know, get rid of those duties and responsibilities and everything else. And that reminds us once again that life is a balance. And he, he remember, he's talking about the seasons being in balance too. We have life, we have death. We have planting, we have harvest, we've got war and peace. All of these things are in a balance and he says they continue on. Because this world and labor will leave you empty. Look what he says, verse 10. I've seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. And here's another thing that he saw. He saw travail which is pain. And he said, I saw it exercised, I saw pain inflicted on people on this earth. I, he's saying, I looked around at the world as I was king. I saw the people under me. I looked around and everywhere I seemed to look, I saw pain. And remember in Ecclesiastes 1.18, Solomon already told us, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. One of the things that's been, uh, I think, a problem for a lot of people's mental health is we can see what's going on all around the world instantly all the time. So what happens is if you keep up with everything going on around the world, you're bearing the burden on your mind and on your heart of everything going on. Right. We hear we can hear bad news across the country, across the world instantaneously. Well, listen, if we're uh, if there's if this is not something really for us, a lot of times we just have to give things over to God and put the news down and put these things down because it's not helping us. And he's saying, even as a king, you know, before cell phones and internet and everything else, even what I saw from the throne and the messages I saw, he said, I saw pain all around me. The more I knew, the more pain that I saw. And here's the thing. We can look around and see that too. We can see pain in all the different areas. 
But one of the things that I, I think is clear is that the more we know and the more we understand about God and his word and the truth, the more we can see that the pain we're looking at is the consequences of sin. Right. We can see that sin does not. Uh, the devil wants people to think that I can sin freely and there will be no consequence to that. But that's the biggest lie of all. The biggest deception other than there's no God and no judgment is that I can just live how I want and I will live against God and against what he says is correct. And I'll live a good life and a happy life. They can't do it. They put the smile on the face, right? They, they go through these things. And that, but it's not just pain uh, uh, to do with sin. You know, Job shows us there's pain just for every one of us. You know, we'll go through problems and everything else. But remember, Solomon was blessed by an enormous amount of wisdom from God. But he refused to heed it, right? He didn't do it. He didn't give his life to what the Lord wanted him to do. But here... You know, a lot of times, again, we're seeing this, some similar words as Solomon, that time was wasted, right? These seasons passed, these things went, a harvest came and went, but it was time wasted with vanity, even though he's not using the word vanity in this part. And here's the problem. We can go through and we can think about this, and again, we can be sucked into the negative thinking, and we could keep going in that, but aren't you glad and all the travail, and all the pain, and all the uh, problems that are going on around us. Look at verse 11. We see gear shifting right here. He hath made, this is talking about God, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Right, man? What do we see? We see pain, we see travail around us. And what's it say? That God... Has made some things beautiful in his time? No. Everything beautiful in his time, right? Now, I'll, I'll tell you the truth right now. There's that logic side of my brain that kicks in when I read a verse like this and say, wait a second. Everything beautiful in his time? What about when this problem happened? What about when this trial happened? What about when this tragedy happened? How could that be? Well, before my logic starts uh, train and my brain just starts to derail and go crazy, I have to remind myself of the end of the verse. It says, no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. The wisest man that ever lived, give this, this nugget right here uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, hey, I can tell you with a certainty after living this life, uh, uh, doing a lot of things wrong, but with godly knowledge in my head uh, and wisdom, he said this. We will never, ever, as men and women, figure out God's purpose for everything that happens right uh, in our lives. And here's the thing. We just have to trust him by faith. Right? We have to trust him by faith. Mike, is that in the New Testament? Yes, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things, not some things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. People love this verse, right? They, they have it on uh, artwork and different things, but I, I'm scared of this verse sometimes because I look at it just like the other verse and I say, now wait a second, all things work together for good? I have trouble believing that with what I see, right? When I see pain and travail, I have trouble believing that. 
When, I, when I, things are happening in my life that aren't any good, I, I struggle that. But then I have to be reminded that God's word is 100% true. There's no lies. There's no uh, doubt in here. There's no mistakes or anything else. That means that if we take the two verses together in our passage, verse 11, and Romans 8, 28, we can see two things, that God's plan is true, it is beautiful, and it's good. That's three things I gave you instead of two. Uh, but that's what we see, whether we understand it or not, whether it makes sense or not, because uh, Solomon's reminding us that we cannot figure it out, his work, because we can't see it, we can't understand it from beginning to end. We can't. Now, one of the blessings is the further down we get, and after this life as we get further down, I think we'll understand more and more. I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we understand the whole thing, but we'll understand more. And the more we understand, the more we will see these verses as true. And I've seen that some in my own life. I've had trials from years back that I can remember in the middle of the trial, the frustration. I can remember the prayers. I can remember the sometimes hopelessness and everything else crying out to God. And then I see the after effect, the trials done, but I see things that I've learned about God, the faith that I grew about God. And I start to understand a little bit of why. Now that's just one little example, but there's a whole lot of things in my life. I don't understand. There's a whole lot of things I've seen go on around. I've seen in this church from the beginning. I don't understand it, but we've got to trust God from beginning to end. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Whether we understand it or not, that's why I have to remind myself. Uh, I didn't even put it in the notes, but Proverbs, uh, another popular verse that, that I don't think is heated as much, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. That's one I have to remind myself a lot. And in all ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Right? After you do all three things, I struggle with, well, a lot of times I trust it, but then I start to lean on my own understanding. Right? But then we're, we're pulled together and say, hey, God has got this under control. And it's part of his plan. And his plan is good. And I don't understand how or why, but I trust him. But then this is really the part that got me. Is verses 12 and 13. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. So here, Solomon the king is falling into the trap of everything is vanity, right? He's focusing on the negative. And if you keep going down that road, what happens? You'll have sadness. You'll have despair. It'll lead to depression. And it will just keep getting darker and darker. Amen. Right? If you, if you look at the emptiness of this world and you start getting sucked into that and you start looking at your life and realizing the vanity of it and you, you start looking at labors and saying, what, what, what's it even, uh, what good is it even? And you start going down this thing and saying, well, uh, I, I guess I'm just going to live a while and die. And, and you could just go on all these negative thoughts. 
But I believe as a Christian person, we're not called to go down that road. And when we start going down, we've got to put on the brakes. Right? We've gone down it, right? We've gone down the, that road before, thinking of the negative and everything else. And another thing that I've noticed that I've seen a lot that also leads people down the road is constantly longing for something more or something else, right? Longing for something, another phase in life or something else, the future, something that, or something they don't have today. And again, right, we've said we've got to labor to provide for our families, provide for ourselves, but we've also have to serve the Lord, right? It's a balance. It's not an easy balance, but it's a balance. We've got to trust him. We need to plan for the future, right? We've got to do that. There are things that, uh, I, I tell you what, I've tried to do bigger things at work without really planning ahead. It doesn't always work so well. Yeah, sometimes you can wait to the last minute and things work out, but it doesn't always work out. So we have to plan for the future, but also look what he's saying here and do good in his life. I think in these verses 12 and 13, he's also giving us the other side of the coin, not just planning for the future and longing for things ahead, but what about living for today, right? What about living for today? And sometimes I think we can miss this. He says in verse 13, living uh, uh, in the present time is a gift of God. And, and if we really stop and think about that, I think some of us would struggle with that, just like we struggle sometimes with Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. Wait, you're telling me that right now, the season I'm in, the, the thing that's, that's going on in my life, the news that I've gotten, the, the stuff that may be coming just ahead that I already know is coming, that's a gift from God? Yes, yes. What's the devil want us to do? He wants us in despair however he can get us there. If he can get you in despair by there's no God and you've got to do everything yourself and when you can't do things yourself and you give up, that's what a lot of the world does, right? There, there's no God, so if I can't handle it, if I don't have the resources, if all hope is gone and I just have me and then I, I'm done with me, right? That's what this world does a lot of times. Or if, if he can't get you that, he'll get you in despair. Uh, as a Christian person, one of the ways he'll do it is you know someone will be saved, but they won't be doing what God's called them to do do or they'll have some secret sin in their life that they won't deal with and what happens is those uh that chastisement that comes that's natural those consequences of sin that conscience uh that that fires the holy spirit uh that that convicts and everything else because of that sin is ignored and then they just start rolling down this path instead of taking care of the issue at hand which is sin that can lead people in depression i've seen that before then also I've seen this. I've seen a Christian person that's living for the Lord, doing serving the Lord, but also they're in despair because they're waiting for the next thing, right? I'm, I can't wait until this happens. I can't wait till that happens, right? And until that does, I, I'm just not satisfied. And you may not say that, but that's what really happens. And, and I've seen it. And I've seen it in my own life as well. Right? When, when you're, do you remember your life? Maybe when you were single, 
And you're like, man, I can't wait till I find somebody and get into a relationship. Then when you get into a relationship, man, I can't wait till we get married. Well, then you get married, man, I can't wait till we have kids. Oh, man, these, these kids are driving me a little crazy. I can't wait till they grow up a little bit and they move out, right? And then when you get to that point, man, I can't wait till I retire. Isn't that what happens? That is not looking at today as a gift of God. That's looking at tomorrow as a gift of God. That's looking at tomorrow is better. That's looking at tomorrow I'll find satisfaction. And that will lead you down a dark path as well. Because once the time comes and once you hit the point that yesterday you said would make you happy, you automatically flip it to the next thing. And you will never enjoy. You could go through your, I just gave you an example. You can go through your entire life and always want something next, something more, and not enjoy today. That's what he's saying. It's a gift of God. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. Will keep you from enjoying today. Right? The phase that I'm in, right? Little kids, they'll destroy the house, right? Just like that. And you're like, oh my goodness. It looks like it's crazy. Uh, it looks crazy. We just picked everything up and everything, you know, or uh, right now, I don't know if you've ran into this or not, uh, some of the parents, grandparents in the room, but, uh, you know, from time to time, you have to say no to certain children, and then they get to the age where it's, you know, they got to complain and argue after every no. Um, I'll let you figure out which one of the three that one is, but anyway, uh, you get to the I can't wait, right? Well, then I get reminded from some people at work that that doesn't improve. But anyway, but, uh, you know, you think about every day God gives us is a blessing, right? Every day. And, and, and we have to remind ourselves of that because when we just say it, we're like, of course, yes, Mike, of course it's a blessing. But wait a second, where's the devil? Why is he whispering in our ear? Why is he getting our mind to think about the next thing? I can't wait, right? No, we can today. Enjoy today because here's what will happen. He'll get you into the I can't wait, and then eventually, he's sneaky, he'll flip you around, and he'll say, man, I wish I could go back, right? Man, I wish the kids were young again. Man, I wish I could go back to this. Man, I wish I could be in school again. We had so much fun. I couldn't wait to get out. I wish I'd go back. That's what he does, doesn't he? He never wants you to be satisfied with today. This world's the same way. Have you seen them? They, they get with this. They're either stuck in the past, stuck in the future, stuck everywhere, stuck trying to uh, find satisfaction without God. But we can't follow that. And that's why Ecclesiastes is here. It's a, it's a hard book to read, not, not because, I mean, the, the language, I don't think the language is harder, but I think it's hard when you keep seeing vanity and think about the negatives, but uh, it's really a positive because what he's doing is Solomon's reminding us, don't follow the path that I walk down. Every day that God gives us is a blessing, and one day, again, we'll see his plan unfold and unfold. We'll see more beauty and goodness and But until that day, we can see beauty and goodness today. We can see those things. Now, again, sin is still here. The curse is still here. Problems are still here. The world's still here. Persecution's still here. But we can still find blessings each and every day. And our life requires a balance. Because you can get stuck on that flip side too. And everything's great and wonderful. And then ignore the reality. You can be, but again, it's a balance. We've got to labor for ourselves and labor for the Lord. 
but also we need to enjoy life no matter what season we're in because they all have a purpose under heaven. And what a book. I mean, I think about this book and it amazes me what, I mean, you think about how long ago a passage like this was written and you think how long it's taken the world to figure parts of this out. And some of it they still haven't figured out. Right? I, I can't remember where it is. In, I think it's Ecclesiastes where it talks about that he gives the example of the rain falling, making itself to the sea, getting back up into the clouds and kind of starting over. He talks about that cycle. We didn't realize that. I don't think until it was like the 17th century scientists figured out that's really what happens, right? I mean, it's, we've learned that, that rain, you know, just goes around in, the, in this cycle. They didn't know that. God knew that. The Bible knew that. That's why I'm glad we can look at, even though it's this old, and we can say, you know what? Even if today's psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, everyone else, you know, geniuses on TikTok and everything else, try to tell us all these things, God's word is true. Amen. God's word is true. And I think we, one of the things we miss is we, yes, we're longing for heaven. Amen. We're, we're longing to worship him face to face. I'm longing for it. I, I can't wait to see some of the things unfold that God has promised for the future. But I also can't forget to enjoy today that God's blessed us with. All right, we're going to open up the altar tonight.